Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. We have our eye on the enemy because it's week one of NFL action. Philadelphia Eagles, Washington football team, Lincoln Financial Field. We are almost there, and we've got you covered thanks to the fine folk at Bleeding Green Nation and SB Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist, and this new series is really just an extension of our off-season Eye on the Enemy series. And each week, me or somebody else from BGN will be talking with analysts who cover the Eagles' upcoming opponent to get their side of things because we never want to live in a bubble on this feed. We want to break each matchup down from every conceivable angle, and hopefully you enjoy getting some outside perspective. And even if you don't, maybe you'll enjoy picking out parts where you disagree with the guests and just start a big old Twitter war. And either way, up to you how you enjoy the show. And I do think you'll enjoy this week's as we have friend of the BGN feed, Mark Bullock of The Athletic Washington, here with us to preview the week one action and give his side of things. Bullock's an incredible football mind and a must-follow, even if you aren't a Washington fan, because his film breakdowns are pure gold, very informative, and easy to digest. So I'll talk with him in just a moment, but first, some quick programming notes to keep you up to date. Recently on the feed, we've broken down the Eagles roster moves with their quarterback room, plus we broke down Case Keenum. That's on the QB Sco Show, episode 31. There's also the KNS 114, where we hit on some Dallas contract news and previewed week one as well. There's also a new At the Podium Up, where we catch up with Doug and Carson, and I give some thoughts on what was said by Doug in recent days. Of course, there's going to be a new BGN Radio tomorrow to further break down this week one matchup and more. And if you haven't heard yet, we have a couple of announcements. The first one we've made already. The second one we will make soon, but Sam Wilson and Jessica Town are officially part of the BGN family, and they'll be debuting their weekly show, Babes on Broad, next week. I'm really excited for that, and I think you'll enjoy it as well. So that does it for the notes for now. Let's kick it over to my chat with Mark Bullock right now. Mark, brother, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Mark, would you remind the gentle listeners, even though you've been here at BGN, your repeat guest, because I love the analysis that you bring, but remind the gentle listeners where they can find you and where they can find all of your excellent work. Uh, yeah, so on Twitter, I am at MarkBullockNFL, and um, you can find my work on The Athletic DC. So you are here to help me preview the week one tilt between the Washington football team and the Philadelphia Eagles. So I really wanted your opinion on this. Me and Ben Solak have already kind of broken it down, but I did have some outstanding questions, and I figured you could give better insight into that. So the first thing that I wanted to ask you about leading into this matchup was the, the big decision at quarterback to start Case Keenum over rookie Dwayne Haskins. Why do you think that Washington made that decision, and do you agree with it? Uh, I, I think it comes down to experience more than anything. I, I think throughout the offseason, throughout training camp and OTAs and, and what have you, mini camps, they've, they've kind of felt that Haskins is a, a little bit behind with the pre-huddle, the pre-snap stuff. And we're talking about the basics, like getting into a huddle, calling out a 10 to 15 word play call. Ohio State, they hardly huddled. It was one word play calls. Um, it was signals from the sideline, hand signals, that kind of stuff. For a, uh, a guy that's coming into the NFL, it, it's all pretty new to him. He's having to adjust to that. And 
I think there was a clear progression from him from that standpoint throughout preseason, but I, I think there were still also some clear mistakes, particularly with regards to protections. Um, and, and something that Haskins has been pretty good at is spotting blitzes and adjusting protections, but there were still occasionally mistakes where he forgot to send the line one way or the other, or he might have made a call wrong in the huddle. He might have said 14 instead of 15, and, and that sends the line one way or the other. So there were still mistakes like that happening at the end of preseason, not as frequently as they had been earlier, but um, I think they just felt like he wasn't quite ready. Even though he flashed more upside, he also came with more risks. And I think when you're, when you're thinking of the situation that is in Washington right now with Gruden and, and Bruce Allen being long-tenured guys in D.C., very much on the hot seat this year if they they don't make the playoffs then Gruden probably would rather go for a vet that's been there that can that he knows can run the offense uh, even if it's at a lesser ceiling than what Haskins could offer as long as it's a lot more reliable and he knows that there's not going to be the downs that come with playing a rookie then I think that's probably what they wanted when when they went for Keenum and and to be fair to Keenum like they threw him out there against the Wolves a little bit in the first preseason game you had Grand Christian at the left tackle and Eric Flowers at left guard. They didn't play Brandon Sheriff. They didn't play Chase Rudier. They didn't play Morgan Moses. So the whole the right side of the line was backups. And the Browns played their starting unit. So they threw, threw him out to the Wolves. He was getting battered in the pocket. And he kind of didn't really put many steps wrong. He, he, he wasn't bad. He wasn't spectacular by any means. But, you know, he, he dealt with that pressure. And I think he deserved probably deserved a shot at least starting a few games before they they feel like Haskins is ready to take over. I like the way you explain that too, because if you're struggling to make those protection calls, and that's fully understandable for a rookie, and like you said, he's coming from, you know, one word play calls to 10 to 15 words. And even though Haskins was somebody who a lot of people said thrived on the board, that's definitely still an area that's going to take some time to develop and it'll get him killed if he calls the wrong protection. So they want to protect the asset in that way too. I can see why they're going with the veteran in Keenum. What do you expect schematically from Keenum and the offense? Is it any different from, say, Alex Smith or when they had Colt McCoy or anything like that from the Jay Gruden offense? I think it'll be pretty similar to, to what we, we know from Jay Gruden. I, I think it might not necessarily be as many RPOs and that kind of thing that they ran with Smith last year, but it, it'll probably be more like what we've seen with Cousins in years gone by and, and Colt McCoy. When I went back and studied Keenum after the trade initially happened, my first thought was Keenum is basically Colt McCoy, but healthy. A little bit of a gunslinger mentality, which Gruden likes. He's not afraid to take the shots when, when they're there um, or when they're 50-50 balls. He's willing to put it up and give his guy a chance to make a play and you know, sometimes that doesn't always come off, but Gruden likes a guy that's willing to take the shot. That's something that he likes in Cole McCoy, and I think it's something that he probably liked in Keenan when he watched him. So I, I think you'll see that kind of somewhat aggressive mentality of trying to attack down the field whenever possible, whenever protection allows it, kind of the typical Jay Gruden offense that we've seen for the past five years. So speaking specifically against the Eagles here in week one, how can the talent around Case Keenum help him out and help them elevate their performance. What matchups on offense do you think that the Washington offense can exploit, if any? The main one will be Jordan Reed, I suspect. There is doubts whether he'll play or not. Um, if he's healthy, then yes, he had a concussion after the Falcons game in the third preseason game. He took a huge hit to the head from Keanu Neal mm. so, and missed the fourth preseason game. He hasn't practiced, although... 
today or Wednesday, we're recording this, um, he did individual drills today for the first time. So there's progress and there's hope that he can potentially go on Sunday, but he's yet to be fully cleared. So we'll see how that goes. Um, if Jordan Reed's healthy, he's looked more explosive this year than he has in years gone by. I think he's finally over that foot issue that he's had for the past couple of years, the toe, mm. the foot, whatever, 100% wasn't 100% sure, but mm. there was something there that was stopping him from being as explosive as he has been. And this year he has looked explosive and he's looked like the old Jordan Reed. So if he's able to go, I, I think even when you've got a guy that's so good like Malcolm Jenkins, I've seen Reed give Jenkins really tough games in the past. And I think that would be something they'd go to. With the amount of man coverage, I know the Eagles like to play. Um, I'm sure Gruden would love to take a couple of shots deep um, and trust his guys to run by some coverage. They have Paul Richardson from last year. He's finally healthy again. Um, they drafted Terry McLaurin, which he was a 4-3, 4-4 kind of. Burner, yeah. Yeah, and he, he's going to start at the X from Josh Doxson's position. They even have uh, a guy, Stephen Sims, who made the team. He's going to be their return man, and he's kind of their backup in the slot for behind Trey Quinn. But he's got 4-3 speed as well. So if they get some opportunities to generate some matchups against some man coverage, I don't think they'll be shy to take some shots. But obviously, protection's got to hold up to do that. <laughs> If they're worried about the protection, I, I think they could go to kind of the typical West Coast offense, quick game stuff, the stick and spacing and maybe evolve that into some shallow crossers and drive routes and that kind of thing. And certainly plenty of choice routes if they, if they have Jordan Reed or even Trey Quinn in the, in the slot. And that's kind of how I, I view things happening. And we're going to talk about Trent Williams here in a second because Donald Penn is starting at left tackle. There's Eric Flowers at left guard. There, there's issues there for Washington and the Eagles defense for a lot of the criticism they get for playing a lot of off coverage and stuff like that here from the fans in Philly, they're really good at like squatting on the intermediate stuff and taking that away. I, I would imagine with the protection issues and just the talent matchups on the outside that we're probably going to see a more horizontal offense from Washington and Jay Gruden as they try to keep Case Keenum upright and get the offense going may lead to some longer drives, maybe some harder to sustain drives as sports will be more than happy to allow the four and five yard passes and then come and rally up and tackle. And that that's kind of his deal anyway. So I'm fascinated to see how that plays out. But the reason for that, the reason that Penn is in there at left tackle is because the Trent Williams situation, which has been an ongoing saga this entire offseason, what do we know about what I guess is we're, we're officially calling a holdout at this point? Yeah, it's been uh, an ongoing through throughout the offseason. It was something that I wasn't ever fully convinced would miss time until sort of recently. Yeah, I, I figured he'd probably miss training camp because who, who the hell wants to go down to Richmond for training camp anyway? It's not like he needs it. He's a vet. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't need that. He he knows the offense. He knows what he's doing. He's fine. So then it becomes a case of, you know, they come back to D.C. or Maryland as it is for uh, the end of preseason. He doesn't show up for that. Again, he doesn't necessarily need that. But then the reports were last week that he was definitely not going to show this week, and, and he hasn't. Now it's starting to get a little bit more real, and it feels yeah. like that there is an issue. Although, having said that, the latest reports... D'Angelo Hall, a, a former Washington player, he, he's now working on various TV networks. Um, he's doing a podcast for The Athletic as well. Mm. He recently said, uh, well, Tuesday, um, he said um, that he'd spoken to Trent Williams and he feels like there's a, ch a pretty good chance he'll be back sooner rather than later. Now, he's going to miss the Eagles game, so Eagles fans don't have to worry about that. But there's talk that he could be back as soon as week two. So... 
Um, there is some optimism regarding the situation. He's not going to be there this week. That will impact what they, they're able to do on offense greatly because he is so key to what they're able to do with protections. They don't have to worry about anything on the left side. Uh, the screen game, he can get out in the screens. Um, almost nobody can match what he's able to do, the amount of ground he's able to cover. The running game, they're able to run certain schemes with the tackle pulls, the pin pulls, and the counter plays where they'll pull a tackle to the other side of the line. Like A lot of guys aren't able to do what he's able to do. So he dictates a lot of what they're able to do schematically. With him not in the lineup, then as Donald Penn, he's been good throughout his career. He might still be solid now, but he just isn't the athletic freak that Williams is. And Without him, then they're not going to be able to do what they've been able to do throughout the last few years. Let's talk about some things that may have slipped under the radar from a national perspective what you get from following Washington throughout the preseason, throughout training camp. Is there anybody that on offense that we as Eagles fans should be aware of, whether it be an offensive lineman or a skill position player that might be flying under that radar right now? could give you two. I think Terry McLaurin is someone that he, I, I don't think he's necessarily flown under the radar, but is a third round pick. You don't necessarily expect a third round wide receiver to come in and become the number one wide receiver, but I think he's got a pretty decent chance of doing that. Um, Jay Gruden in interviews um, has been more than praising McLaurin throughout the whole offseason and he was a big part of why they were willing to let Josh Doxson go. There, were, there was a point where Jay Gruden was asked about Doxson and Paul Richardson and his answer immediately changed to Terry McLaurin and praising how good he had been uh, and how rare his ability is. So I think McLaurin will take over at that X receiver spot and he I think he's played like two or three snaps in preseason, so nobody's really got a look at him. But yeah. Some of that I think that he did have a slight injury where like if he if it had been a game that mattered, they probably would have played him, but they're just having him out as a precaution. But I think part of it was also they knew he was gonna be the guy, so they didn't wanna risk any further injury as well. So He's one. Uh, and then the other is Darius Geis has come back from his ACL that he suffered last year. And again, he's not a guy that will fly under the radar per se, but he'll be a guy that people might have forgotten about because of the injury. But he's back and that there's reports that suggest that Jay Gruden was willing to move on from Adrian Peterson even after his phenomenal year last year. Because Geis is back and ready to go, and he's 100%, and he, and he looks good. Look, I'm a massive Geis fan, so I really can't wait to see him. I hope he doesn't ball out too much in week one. I hope he <laughs> saves it for the rest of the division. And when we come back here on BGN, we're going to be talking about the defensive side of the ball and then give our predictions for this game. That's up next here on BGN. We'll be right back. And we are back here on BGN. Michael Kist here with Mark Bullock of the Athletic Washington. So let's continue to preview this week one matchup between the Eagles and Washington. Let's talk about the defensive side of the ball for Washington. So let's let's keep it with the, the same trend where we left off with the kind of under the radar thing that may have happened during preseason that the national media may have missed. Who has really shown in camp and in preseason throughout this process for Washington? I'll give you a couple again. Uh, Jimmy Moreland, the seventh round rookie, he was the name on all Redskins fans' lips after a preseason, uh, especially Ooh. after the first game. He's swaggy. He is. He's <laughs> very much that kind of guy. Um, he he makes plays. He He's a little guy, but he's feisty. He's competitive mm. as hell, and he's a lot of fun to watch. And he just has a nose for the ball. There's a decent chance he'll start as the slot corner. Uh, Fabian Moreau is a doubt with injury, um, and he is the starting slot corner. So uh, it will be either Moreland or Greg Stroman. Um, and I would think they'll probably edge towards Moreland. Moreland played the 
uh, started as the slot corner in the third preseason game. So that, to me, is the indicator that he's probably the next guy. And he has a nose for the football. He, he does get beat inside a little bit more often than I'd like for a slot corner, but he tends to make up for it by, you know, he caused a couple fumbles in preseason. He, he had a couple interceptions and a couple pass breakups. So he's a guy that gets around the ball and, and manages to create turnovers. So um, he's one to look out for. And then one that's not under the radar, but I mean, everyone knows him. He was the expensive addition in the offseason. Landon Collins has made a big difference to the defense. Mm. Everyone is singing his praises for just how much of a leader he's become since he's he's come to D.C. He's taken over the locker room as, as probably one of the captains on defense alongside Jonathan Allen. So he's getting that secondary all lined up better than they had been before. They're all on the same page. He's providing not only a physical threat against the run, probably the surest tackle that they've had on defense for quite a while. Even in preseason, that was evident. There was, there was plays where um, we've seen like Swearinger and, and other players that were decent players, uh, but they, they would come through the hole and, and they'd have a chance to make a play, but they'd miss the tackle or they'd just barely got, get the guy, whereas Collins made the solid tackle and there was no doubts about it. So, And I think that breeds confidence into the rest of the team when 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 the leader makes a play like that i think the rest of the guys see that and take notice and and elevate their game around it so i think collins is a, is a big difference maker and that was evidence evident during preseason yeah I, I like what he can bring to that defense i think he can elevate the guys around him like you said getting guys lined up in that veteran leadership and and just being a sound football player and you know you mentioned moreland i, I saw him live down here in St. Petersburg, Florida for the Shrine game. And during the practices, I was like, look at this little dude <laughs> making plays like crazy and just letting you know about it between every rep. Yep. Like the dude just didn't stop talking. He's, he's a ball of energy. So I really enjoy his game. So it'll be it'll be cool to see him uh, if he starts to get the uh, the nickel reps there if Moreau is out. Let, let's go to uh, some other young guy. Let, let's go to Montez Sweat, the rookie pass rusher, because you're looking at the defensive line and you're thinking, okay, the odd man out here, if you're looking at like pass rushing snaps, because there's Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Matt Ioannidis, there's there's Ryan Kerrigan, and then you have Ryan Anderson, who is a fantastic run defender, in my opinion, but lacks something as a pass rusher. Is that something you would expect to see in a sub package with Montez Sweat maybe coming in for Anderson or being used in a different way? What is his like snap share looking like, basically? I, I think he's probably going to start. The thing that surprised me about Sweat is that he's been a guy that is a better run defender than you would think think from kind of the typical long bursty athletic edge rusher mm. typically those kind of guys come into the league and they're all about their speed rush and they they have no idea how to set an edge and defend the run uh sweat is kind of the opposite of that where he is pretty strong against the run he understands how to set an edge to use his length to hold a tackle and and keep the edge set the thing that he needs to in my opinion improve on is using that speed a little bit more to threaten the edge in pass rushing. So I think he'll probably get the start. I don't think he'll be, he's not going to be what Ryan Anderson is on the edge. Ryan Anderson, as you say, is a fantastic run defender that is somewhat underrated in the, in the league nowadays, but he doesn't offer as much as a pass rusher. So I think they'll want sweat in there as much as possible. There could be a sort of a rotation around there where sweat comes in on passing downs, but I, I think it'll be, more often than not, it'll be Sweat in there as, as the starter. Um, and if they want to rotate him out or Kerrigan out, uh, the guy that will come in is Casanova McKinsey, who 
uh, I probably should have put him as another un- under the radar guy. He's um, mm. he was a off the ball linebacker in college for Auburn, and he went. I think he went undrafted, or it was a seventh rounder somewhere, and got cut. Eventually, he found his way onto the Washington's roster last year. He switched to outside linebacker, and he shows ridiculous amount of bend and burst around the edge. He has probably been their most threatening pass rusher, certainly throughout preseason. But dating back last year, he he had a couple. He only played one or two games, but he looked threatening off the edge and, and tackle struggled because he could bend so well. Again, he's a guy that, like Reed, got a concussion in preseason, but I think he has been cleared or is close to being cleared. Um, he's more likely to play out of the two. So he's someone that if they go to nickel and dime packages and they want to bring in an extra rush linebacker, he's someone that I think come in and, and you'd see Ryan Anderson make way or, or Montez Sweat potentially if they want him to take some snaps off. Speaking of the dime package, let's keep it with those sub packages because I look at the linebackers and I go woof with with John Bostic and you know I'm, I I like the potential for Sean Dion Hamilton to turn into something, but I don't know if either of those guys are are going to be coverage specialists in their career. But then you look at a guy like maybe a Josh Harvey Clemens, like is he going to be the guy that comes in on those dime packages to kind of help them cover these these crazy tight ends for the Eagles and also pick up some running backs as well. Yeah, I, th- I think that's going to be a big issue is how they match up on the tight ends. Um, I-, I think you're right. Josh Harvey Clemens is probably that guy. I-, I don't know. Sean Dion Hamilton, I think, has the potential to be that yeah. guy down the-, down the road. But he's missed some time with a few injuries this preseason. They really like a linebacker that they got in the draft, Cole Holcomb. He's also missed a lot of time in preseason with injuries. So I don't think he'll be quite ready yet. Um, and-, and Josh Harvey Clemens has bulked up a little bit. So he's a little bit more secure in the run than he has been in the past but um certainly in in nickel and dime um he'll rotate in and and hope to match up he he's been used more frequently on running backs um than he has been on tight ends i I would think the tight ends will probably they'll try to either pattern match those guys or match them up with landon collins or they have done a lot of progress with monte nicholson rotating down from free safety to to match up on tight ends because nicholson has the size and the athletic ability to jam guys and, and run with tight ends and bigger athletic tight ends. So that might be something they try to do and, and move Collins back to the post. That will be the tough matchup for Washington um, to, to deal with those tight ends. But yeah, I think Harvey Clemens is the guy that will come in at linebacker on nickel and dime rushes and, and match up with certainly running backs and occasionally tight ends. So with the way that the Vegas line is showing this thing, roughly they're saying that the Eagles are going to score 28 points. Can the Washington defense slow down the Eagles? What what does that look like? Just like as I'm watching the game, I'm going, wow, I didn't expect this from the Washington defense. How are they able to to kind of stop the bleeding or even slow it down? I don't think it's going to be that kind of a blowout. I, I think they're, they're very confident in what their defense can be this year. And, and I mean, every team is confident about what their team can be every year. But <laughs> the, this this year, there is a... A more of a genuine feeling about it as opposed to just like it's just hearsay whereas this year it's kind of more you know there is a lot of talent in that certainly in that defensive front you look at that defensive line Jonathan Allen, Jerome Payne, Matt Ioannidis, Ryan Kerrigan, Montez Sweat those guys can get after it and DBs are have talent you know you've got Josh Norman we talked about Landon Collins, Monte Nicholson has looked like he's come back to being the guy he could be from his rookie year 
uh, Quinton Dunbar at corner, Jimmy Moreland in the in nickel. They have some guys that they really like, and it looks like it's a lot going to be a lot more of a solid defense than it has been. But if there's anything I've learned from this team is that they are always prone to letting you down. Perhaps they don't perform as I expect them to, but I think they're going to be very hard to run against if they can stay ahead of the chains and keep the Eagles in sort of second and long, third and long, and do their best to get off the field on third down. That's that's what killed them last year was that. On third down, they just could not get off the field. And I think they've got some better tacklers this year. Uh, that was a little bigger, their big problem they had was they would force an underneath check down. The coverage wouldn't be too bad deep and they'd force it underneath, but then they wouldn't rally to the ball and make the tackle. Yeah. And I think they've got, we've talked about Collins um, and, and they've got better tacklers this year. Jimmy Moreland has showed he's could be physical. Um, and so I think they'll have guys that will rally to the ball better this year and stop those little underneath check downs becoming first downs. And if you can stall a couple of drives, that, that can be sometimes all you need to gain some momentum and put some doubt in the Eagles offense and make them try to force things rather than just, you know, play ball. So just be solid. Basically. Just be solid, essentially, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, the, the thing that worries me is they're a team that's always prone to giving up a big play. Mm. If you have someone like Djax on Josh Norman, that worries me. That's something I pointed out, like if I see that, because I think the Eagles, what they're going to do is they're going to switch Alshon from right to left in the first drive, and they're going to see if Norman follows him. If not, then absolutely, I think that's a matchup that they can exploit deep. Djax always had... Josh Norman's number yeah. in training camp, and and I mean Djax has everyone's number really. He, he's that <laughs> he did good. all camp for the Eagles, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like he's someone that I I would be worried about, and perhaps they double him. Perhaps Monte Nicholson's range helps them from the deep safety spot to kind of stay over the top of Djax. I don't know. The that's the main fear I have is that they would give up a big play or two to Djax, and that yeah. could that could open the floodgates. But I think. As I say, I think they're going to be solid. I think they're going to be hard to run on. I think that that front of Alan Payne, Ioannidis, and Kerrigan is going to be, throughout the year, tough to run on. And that always makes offenses one-dimensional. And do that, you have a good chance of being successful. So I, I, I don't think they're going to get blown out of the water. I don't think that they'll concede, what was it, 28 points? I don't think it'll be that. I think it'll be more in the teams, but I think in the teams might be enough. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was going to get your prediction as well, because right now the Vegas line, I've seen anywhere from nine and a half to, to 10 points. We'll just call it a, a 10 point favorite for the Eagles at home. And the over under is set at 46. I'm imagining from what you're saying, you're taking the under. Do you think the, the, the do you think Washington covers that 10 points? Yeah, I think they do. I think overall, I think the Eagles win. I think it will be closer than that. I think it will probably be within a touchdown, but mm. that's that's not to say it, it won't be like a comfortable within a touchdown victory. Like it might be one that they're up by two touchdowns going into the fourth and yeah. and, and Washington get one back late, but it's irrelevant. I don't think it'll be one that the Eagles are able to run away with, but I do. I do think that ultimately the Eagles will come out with by winning by. I um, certainly at least a field goal, probably a touchdown, maybe yeah. maybe a little bit more. Yeah, I, I can see that. I think my expectation was that the Eagles were in the driver's seat for most of the game, even if it's not a complete blowout to start. And then you know, second half there there might be a touchdown, late touchdown in there for for Washington to kind of pull a little bit closer. So I'm kind of with you there. I'm, I'm taking a little bit more of a dynamic performance from the Eagles offense. So for hopefully for our, for our listeners here at BJ, that happens. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, that's fair. So last thing, uh, I asked you earlier in the year about the over-under at six wins for Washington. 
that line has not moved since I just checked yesterday. So it's been months since we talked about it and it stayed the same. I think your answer was over because of uh, Jay Gruden, what he's able to scheme and bring to the table as a head coach and offensive mind. Are you still on the over for six wins for Washington this year? Uh, I I think they are still good enough. Uh, my caveat to that would be if Trent Williams doesn't come back at all, then <laughs> then they might be in a little bit more trouble. Back then when we talked about it, I thought that they would figure something out with Trent Williams, right. get him paid, and he'd be back and they'd be fine. If he misses five games, six games, half a season, however much he might miss, if it's anything more than a game or two, that will cost them games. Yeah, I think what I said to you was that Gruden, as you said, Gruden schematically good enough to and, and they have just enough talent that the talent and the scheme will get them by to six or seven wins but it's hard it's really hard in the nfl just to win five games like you it's, yeah it's difficult yeah and if you lose your star left tackle that allows you to do so much schematically then that will cost you games so yeah. I, I i think even with trent williams i would say they're probably at about six wins is probably right but if you if you have Trent Williams in the team, if he comes back, say, week two, and he's, you know, if he's normal Trent Williams, then they have enough talent throughout the roster and they have good enough scheme from certainly Gruden, but the different coaches on the staff that they should be able to win at least seven games. I, I would say seven to nine range. Mark, it's always a pleasure having you here at VGN to break this down. I'm sad now because we don't get to talk again for like another like three months or something like that. I think later on in the season when the when the Eagles play the... It's a lot away. Yeah. Re- remind the listeners where they can find you, where they can find all your stuff. Yeah. Uh, again, it was uh, at Mark NFL on Twitter and uh, all my works in at the Athletic DC. Give Mark a follow and follow his work. You'll be a smarter football fan for it. Mark, thank you so much, man. No worries. Glad to come on. Cheese.